intelligent, conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Hour two. I started to say hour dose because it's become such a habit, but maybe I should say hour trois because I did study uh, a little uh, Francais back in the day. Glad to have you guys here with me for hour. No, it would be hour deux, not hour trois. <laughs> I did study French. Maybe you should stick to Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> right now, my parents, if they were listening, would be like, how much money did we spend for this girl to go to LSU? And she studied French for five years and she can't even remember how to count to two. I'm glad to have you guys here with me tonight on our duh of the Andrea K show. I'm especially glad y'all recognize that voice. That's my man, DJ uh, Potato Skins. Y'all also know my next guest here. Uh, he's another a dear friend of mine, a partner in the show. He's he Skins is my right arm and Bob Walters is my left arm. Although Bob Walters is usually not with us on Thursday night, but we had to do a separate. Maybe we just make it Friday. Yeah. <laughs> no, because we no we, we got a special lineup for tomorrow's oh, night right. shoot going into into Memorial Day for y'all. And Bob is appointment radio on Friday nights with his education segment. But we had to have him on for a special night. Because we we had to give we have to give um, time and attention to some new pending laws in California because they will affect all of your kids if they are allowed to go through. And we know when we start screaming and yelling and putting pressure on and bringing some daylight to stuff and transparency, it often has a good effect. So joining me now to share with you guys everything you need to know about the new pending laws in California is the aforementioned Bob Walters. Hello, my dear friend. Good. Good to be here. Well, thank you for being here on a special night Thursday. I'm sure you got other things you could be doing at 7 o'clock instead of being here educating people on what's happening. But tell everybody there's six pending laws in California and tell everybody what we need to know, starting with the first AB 2565. Yeah, one thing I want to say, be sure the listeners write down the numbers that we're going to be presenting Mm -hmm. so that you can contact your legislators and ask them to oppose these laws and not vote for them, even though the Democrats are overwhelmingly the majority. Anyway, AB 2565 is set to strengthen professional development of teachers and staff for mathematics and science in our schools using the new equity math approach, which has just been passed. This will require the superintendent to designate at least one county office of education to serve as the physical agent for the California Partnership for Math and Science Education and to allocate $62 million over the next three years to support the teaching, uh, training of teachers for the new Equity Math program. Let me tell you something about Equity Math, this new program. they got five of the 12 chapters focus on equity and, prom- and promote racial equity, and it, it really lowers the standards in the name of equal outcomes for more students by focusing, focusing on politics and ideology rather than mathematics, excellence students will not be able to get a chance to really have a good career and to finish their mathematic capability. It's a shame. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is that what they're going to be doing is instead of teaching actual math, they're going to be injecting politics and they're going to be turning math classes into CRT lectures to the tune of $65 million to train teachers to how to teach this. 
I know it's that, unbelievable. That's what this that but I'm clarifying that that's what AB 2565 is. It's spending it is. 65 million dollars to set up some um some group including the California Partnership and to basically inject CRT into math classes. That's what this is. It's not just a waste of money. It's it's about pushing communism in our schools to the detriment of not just taxpayers but the children and our future. Okay, what is AB 1958? Uh, that's a community college student access retention and debt cancellation program. <laughs> okay. A lot of words. Yeah. Existing law appropriates $120 million this past year for the community colleges to entice students to return to class or retain them with a financial incentive to, for those who are reluctant to return. This new law, for the same purpose, would allow those funds to be used, however, to cancel student debt from the past if they stay or return with special focus on those colleges with the largest declines due to the COVID pandemic. So, Okay, so let me make sure I understand this. Okay, so kid starts going to community college, decides he doesn't want to come back, and they're like, look, if you come back, we'll wipe away your debt. That's correct. And it's because they, they get funds from, I'm assuming, from the state and even federal probably, given the uh, level of, of attendance. Yeah, it's a, a pathetic waste of the money Yes, that we all contribute to. And the students learn nothing about responsibility for taking on student debt for their education, like getting a good job and, and paying the debt off. Yeah. So the debt's going to get so. Th- so then what happens, too, is if they uh, they entice the kid to come back to school by paying off the debt, they're still going to get classes. And how is that going to be paid for? Well, that's part of it is they're going to not charge them. So they're going to so give they, them free. free. Oh, so yeah, it's it, a double double. So it's a way to give free college. Yeah. To people, but we know that there's no such thing as free. It's got to be paid by somebody, and we're already $30 trillion in debt, and it's going to be put on the backs of people that are already struggling right now to pay $7 a gallon of gas. Okay. Yeah. Next, we have AB2047. Yes, this is interesting. Teacher credentialing. The teacher performance assessments teach credentialing. Task force. <laughs> Excuse me, Bob. I'm already. I I, 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 I got to get over my laughter at the title of this before. <laughs> before you get into the details of it, because it's just some of the names of these are so stupid. They're moronic and they're so manipulative. And what and what you know and what their and what their plan is. But teacher performance assessments, the Teach Credentialing Task Force, hilarious. All right, Bob, go oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is what teachers, of course, have to pass certain credentials and tests in order for them to uh, be certified as a teacher. Well, assuming that they show performance and completion of a program of professional preparation, which is not being defined at all, mm-hmm. a teacher shortage and a lack of diversity in its ranks, this new law would eliminate the requirement that a professional program be completed for the teacher to be certified. Okay. In other words, new teachers don't need to have any test insert in certification at all so to become a teacher. I'm okay. So the way you're explaining this is so brilliant, and I'm glad I laughed at first at the title because what you just explained is completely contrary to what this bill is supposed to provide, which is proper credentialing of teachers. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it, a complete lie. They make yes. I mean, they title this teacher credentialing. Well, what it is is it's eliminating the need for credentials. So that people going into the classroom are actually properly and the credentialing. And I know this because a, a good friend of mine um, spent years, my former nail gal, 
um, uh, Angie, a- Angela Sensaplano. Angie, if you're listening, miss you, girl. Anyway, um, what she had to go through to be credentialed to teach in this state took her many, many years, which is why she was doing nails on the side, took her many, many years and a lot of money so that she would be properly trained to go into a classroom and teach to children. And now under the name of diversity, if you were listening to Bob, in the name of a shortage and lack of diversity in the ranks, now they're going to put untrained and uncredentialed teachers into your into your kids' classrooms. Oh, yeah. Hooray for the new future. Right. All right. Next, we have AB 1705. This bill would strengthen, it says, laws around how colleges are allowed to offer remedial classes. Well, that's a complete lie from what the reality is. Okay. What this law actually does is forbid students, of course, to take classes that they repeated in high school and then in college again. That's not a biggie. But would reduce remedial classes since it hurts, not help students with low achievement levels. Colleges would have to prove in the future that they help students to allow them to exist as classes. This includes, <laughs> so they're talking about strengthening remedial classes, but in fact, <laughs> creating a path by which they, colleges have to prove they're needed and can provide value uh, because they're thinking that it's actually hurting the students to go to remedial and, and succeed after they take those classes. And this, of course, really has a big impact on the blacks, Hispanics, and students with disability, foster youth, and low-income students. Right. And even and, and, and like a kid like me, um, I, I thought I had no math aptitude. I struggled in, in high school with math. And uh, long story short, you know, I took a math placement because you had to take math placement tests so that they could know whether or not you needed to take remedial math at LSU. Of course, I had to take remedial math, which to make it even worse, it was a money through Friday class, it was a five day a week class at like 8 a.m. Not what you want to be assigned to do, Bob Walters, when you've just joined a sorority, okay? Um, but, <laughs> but, I, know, I was in a fraternity, right? In yeah, exactly. Yeah. But after taking the remedial class, I finally, I finally learned the basics and I was able to then go on and make A's in like quantitative business analysis and in engineering, industrial engineering applications. And I actually found that I had an aptitude for math I just had never had a good teacher who could explain it to me and thank goodness I took the, that remedial math class because and I found I actually ended up loving math and being good at it and you know so this is just more nonsense that it's about pretending to care about low-income people or minority people or even like you know white kids like me who just you know didn't think I was good at math this is gonna hurt these kids under the yeah, same yeah. phony crap and nonsense um, that they're pretending to be about. So it just makes me crazy. So anyway. Uh, okay. So, then you got, you want the next one? Yes, I'm ready. Lay it on me, there's man. More, there's more ugly. This is AD <laughs> 2465. Okay. It establishes the supporting literacy and biliteracy in schools, families, and communities that would require all students and families to be provided with library cards, including undocumented students. That's what the law says in this in its top, but here's the reality of it. Okay. It would it would require a goal that all students read at grade level by their time in the third grade and that families be engaged in the process. This is this is getting down to that community mm-hmm. concept. Yeah. Approximately thirty seven million over three years for schools that have seventy five percent or more low income or English learners would be provided. Every school every school member has to have a role in this effort. They have to have uh, literacy and training 
and every member of the family, along with the student, has to become lingual and frequent in languages that uh, they are required to, to have, like learning English. It also provides $25 million to improve career mobility for bilingual educators, teachers that can teach in both languages. While new teachers are given subsidy to complete such classes, they must commit to five years of service at high-needs schools. And surprisingly, this bilingual program <laughs> must also include indigenous languages. I never heard that you got to learn how to speak Indian, American Indian languages to be a teacher, but that's the new rule. Anyway, um, I think this is part of the concept of the growing drift. To yeah. have what's called community schools where the student goes, and actually the parents have to be in the school as well for the kid to learn. Yeah, Um yeah, and in fact, we're talking to Bob Walters, our education contributor on the new pending laws here in California. This There's a lot to discuss about AB 2465. Um, let's start with the fact that a goal that all students read grade level by their time in the third grade. Um, well, you should be able to read grade level by the time you're in the first grade, according to the first grade level, right? Second grade, according yeah. to the second grade. So this is like bizarre. Um, and that families be engaged in the process. Now, why would a school, it, 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 when your kid goes to school, the teacher is supposed to grade how your child is doing uh, and, and how your child is doing is how your child is doing. Now they're, they're attaching the, the, um, the family members in the home to that grade is what's going on here. Yeah, it is. And it whether is. or not, whether or not, and we have, we have a, an America, an America where many times first generation immigrants to this country never learned to read and write, you know, English in the schools as well as their children who were born here do. So what this is, this is about is clearly it's about politics. It's about how can we, under the guise of education, force families to have to come and participate in our CRT and our other social justice nonsense that we're trying to shove on the families. That's number one. And 37, appropriating $37 million over three years for schools that have 75% or more low income, uh, English learners and those in foster care, um, you know, we we it doesn't say where what that money is specifically for every family member has to have a role in the effort and to advance their own literacy goals so this is again what it's about is it's about trying to force you know it, it they don't want to just now indoctrinate the kids let me say it this way now it's not just about indoctrinating the kids they got to make sure they got the parents sitting in on the crt nonsense well, they want them all in. Yeah. They want them all in. That's what this is about. And then they're also going to spend $25 million to improve career mobility for bilingual educators. In other words, taxpayers are now going to have to fork out money um, to basically pay for a, a continuing ongoing education of school teachers, which should be on their yeah. own dime. It should be. Yeah. And it's just uh, it's just pathetic. I'll tell you what. They also did something else. It also requires that libraries include books. 50% of their books have to be related to LGBT, Black, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islanders, and Jewish communities. That's, yeah. that's never been done before. No. Every bit of this bill is all about uh, indoctrinating you know, the entire community. Basically, the schools now are expanded into libraries, into um, a- a- every aspect of the community. And, f- and parents, if you want your kid to be educated, you're going to have to be a part of that, and you're going to have to sit in there and be indoctrinated as well. Yep, it's a shame. It's really headed bad. And the governor just proposed yesterday 
475 million in one-time funding over the next five years to train literacy coaches to help the families join in this education effort with their kids. Yeah, that's a huge <laughs> that's amount of money. All right. In addition to the other money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one final thing. Okay. SB thirteen ninety. I'll make it quick. This this law would prohibit social media platforms from amplifying harmful content, including threats of violence against government entities or false or misleading information on vaccinations, elections, or conspiracy theories, and would allow the Attorney General to bring such groups and persons into court for civil penalties and even jail time. (laughs) So basically what they're saying is this bill would allow you to be prosecuted because you expressed something on social media that they didn't like. Correct. Anything they consider false or misleading, Anything. You, could be, you could be arrested or you could be brought to court for fines. Wow. That's, where, that's SB 1390. That's the state Senate, if you want to write to wow. the state government. Well, Bob. That's all I got. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> In fact, we really, we've done almost two segments. That's why we had to do a special you know, uh, additional segment in, in, in addition to Friday, because this is we, we had to get this out there to the to the people here in California so they know what's pending. Bob Walters, thank you for all you do. Thank you for being here tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow night. OK, keep up your good work. Thank you, honey. All right. Now, stay tuned. What's happening in the Dr. Oz race in Pennsylvania? Skins, do you know? We're going to talk about it when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer is San Diego. Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I should not have looked at this comment on social media right before coming back. <laughs> Ray Liotta passed away today. Great actor. Great actor in skins. I just happened to look and see. Somebody put bum, bum. <laughs> Did he fall asleep in a tan, in a tanning booth? Okay, he did tan too frequently, but the guy was a great actor. Let's be respectful. He felt he he passed away in his sleep, which is really what we could all hope for to pass away peacefully and uh, without any kind of suffering. And I apologize for laughing. It's just it's been a long week. What's uh, off the cuff? What's your favorite movie that Ray Liotta has been in? I'm not. I haven't watched that many movies with him. Um, probably. Goodfellas, which is not my favorite. Um, it's not my favorite like gangster movie. Um, it's actually, in fact, I, I don't like it much. Um, for Field of Dreams, uh, for would be mine. Re- no, that's not my favorite gangster movie. That's my favorite movie that Ray Liotta was in. Right. Um, he didn't have that much of a role in Field of Dreams. No, he did not. Um, but it was really good. But a really good actor, just a great actor. And and what he did bring to Goodfellas, he was about the actually one of the only things I really liked in Goodfellas. And the actress um, whose name escapes me right now, who played his wife, I thought she was pretty awesome in that movie as well. Prayers to the. Uh, yeah, prayers to the family. I actually saw, you know what I'm flashing on? I actually saw him um, a few years ago. I was up uh, going up to hang out uh, up in the Malibu area with a friend of mine who was living not in Malibu, but I was meeting up in that area. And so, no, I'm not name dropping. I got a friend who lives in Malibu. Um, and he was at a red light behind the wheel of a car. He had just gotten gas at a gas station. He was driving just a very like average car. And he just seemed like not at all like, you know, at least how you expect celebs to seem. He wasn't in the backseat 
of a limo, you know, like, you know, we see uh, up in L.A. a lot with celebrities. And, and you know, he's one of the actors that I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about. Have you ever heard? No. Have you ever heard a story about Not him one. being a jerk on the set or being rude to people or anything like that? Never heard a bad story about him. I mean, if you guys have, call me and tell me if he, you know, if he was known to be a jerk. I've got family in the movie industry and I've never heard. And I don't know that anybody in my family ever worked with him, but um, I've never heard a bad thing about Ray Liotta. And 67 these days. That's young. That's young. Right. And so just a sad day today uh, for those people. Uh, might as well get into some celebrity news. Speaking of celebrities, um, the Duggar family. Did you ever watch 19 and Counting? No. Never. I, I think I watched one episode of it because it was billed as just clean cut family and living on a farm and that the family was it Billy Bob. Is that the dad's name or Bobby, Bi- Bobby Billy or something like no that? Idea. Um, uh, I don't even remember the mom's name. I think I saw part of one episode and, you know, I didn't want to disparage their lifestyle and how they were raising their children in terms of the long hair and the dresses or whatever. And, you know, if that's, you know, how people want to raise their children and they're not a drain on society or somehow, you know, what I'm, I'm not going to take issue with it. It wasn't my cup of tea, particularly when I felt like it got to the point to where they were they had so many children. They were asked in an interview they did on the Today Show, how they were able to parent all those kids. And I think at this point, it was 11 kids and counting or 12 kids and counting. And they said that they assigned the younger children to the older children. And I thought that's when I was like, you know, that's when I actually really had negative opinions about them because I thought, you know, for your own personal um, belief system or for your own whatever, your TV show, for your own whatever, you're basically, you're bringing children into this world that you intentionally cannot parent and so you're forcing your older children to, to do your parenting job for you of the younger children. And that I have a problem with because that's that's not being a parent. That's And that's denying some of your children their childhood. Then come to find out that one of the oldest or the oldest, Josh Duggar, I think his name is. Um, yes, Josh Duggar, as I pull it up. Well, he was sentenced today and I haven't really followed the trial, but I guess his he's got some sisters or siblings or family members that have long since said, I think even back when the show was being produced, that he had behaved inappropriately, and I don't remember the details of it, but I remember thinking at the time, how is he still around young children in the family? I take a very strong stance when it comes to children being preyed upon. I do not believe in rehabilitation for pedophiles. I think we've got case after case after case after case after case to know that they are not rehabilitatable. And if that is you and you're listening, I don't care if you're offended by me right now. I consider you a creep who's unrehabilitatable. If you in any way have put your hands on or try to put your hands on or you're watching child pornography of anybody putting their hands on anybody under 18, you're a creep. Well, evidently, he's had a pattern of this. And even in spite of his pattern of it, some woman decided to marry him and bring children into the world with him. Well, he got prosecuted and um, received 12 years of a what could have been a 20 year sentence. I am not familiar with the with the images and the videos that he had on his computer that he was busted with. But others have said it's some of the sickest imaging uh, images and videos they've ever seen involving children. And yet we had a federal judge give him less than the maximum sentence. It defies logic that all he was facing was 20 years, but all he got was 12. One of the cousins who I guess somehow, since I haven't been following the case, um, uh, said that um, 
I think she, I don't know how she was related to, to the story, if she was one of the people that that filed a complaint against him. Amy Duggar King said that uh, 12 years behind bars was not enough, she said, but she said, I can breathe. He got 12, almost 13 years. I knew he, get him getting the maximum sentence wasn't going to be the easiest to prove since it's his first offense in the judge's eyes, which I hate, but at the same time, he cannot have his computer. He cannot hurt, exploit any more children, and when he sees his kid, he ha- kids, he has to be supervised, and honestly, where he's going, I feel like the prisoners are going to just take care of him. Um, Not good enough. It's not good enough. And he should never be allowed around his children, again, in my opinion. 12 years, he's 30-something years old. When he gets out, he'll be 47, and he will have teenagers at that point. And the reason why I'm getting into this story is because this is we, we now have a Supreme Court justice, KBJ, who I believe was chosen for many, for, um, many reasons, including one, because she is lenient on child sex predators in this country. The only time she apologized in her court was not to any of the uh, of the victims of these child predators but she actually apologized to the child predator for how the sentencing was going to affect him and his family this is a, this is a, this is a pattern that's increasing in this country we have an assault on children not just in CRT but with the sexualizing of children and the pornography of children and the grooming of children in this country is a part of the evil that's happening And this is going on while they're all down there in Uvalde, Texas, pretending that they care about children when they they clearly don't. Can't can't hurt exploiting any more children like they don't have computers in prison. Does this woman have any idea what's available to these creeps in prison? And what happens when he gets out? The Duggar family going to allow him back? His his wife, who he brought children into the world with, has not been reached for comment, has not issued a statement. The fact that she's still married to him says everything you need to know about her. I was going to talk about Dr. Oz at this point. All I'm going to say is this. Our elections are still corrupted. At least Salem Media here, Salem Media Group, Executive produced a movie with Dinesh D'Souza to bring the truth, at least about one aspect to the American people called 2000 Mules. And and evidently, it could be said, there's a recount going on in Pennsylvania where weeks after an election, we still don't know who won in part because of why mail-in ballots. There's about a less than 100 vote difference between Oz and McCormick, yet there are uh, 10,000 military ballots that have yet to be counted. Why? The military ballots should have been counted immediately. Supposed to be election day. Yeah. Something really stinks in Pennsylvania. Really stinks. Seen this before? And in our elections. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a break. We come back. Speaking of stinking, got to tell you all about that uh, energy secretary grand home and comments she had today that stink to high heaven. Wait till you hear what she has to say about gas prices. Stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea K, bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. Uh, is this true? Somebody posted this from 7 hours ago on social media. I ain't heard a word about this. My man Skins is looking at me like, "What did you just see? Could it be true?" According to 
reports The View has settled with Kyle Rittenhouse for $22 million in a formal apology. Can you verify that, my man? Well, I'm t- I will look it up. You're yeah. going to have to look this up because if this is true, I am That's just good having... news. Yes. That doesn't that just put a little button on my day if that is true. So our man Skins is going to be researching that. Um, I might as well tell y'all before I get into uh, this grand home, ridiculous woman uh, who was, uh, to my knowledge, had no uh, no industry experience in the energy sector. I think she was was she governor of Michigan or at, at one point. But anyway, um, before I get into her comments on. Uh, Gas prices. I might as well give you all some good news while Skins is researching that story on Kyle Rittenhouse. Okay, so last week we reported to you guys about how State Farm had gotten busted by a whistleblower for having gotten involved um, in uh, a, a transgender advocacy group called Gender Cool Project. Um, there was a, a, a whistleblower who reported that um, they plan to it, recruit agents and try to try to force them into pushing I, I, some type of paraphernalia and and different you know advocacy materials on behalf of this on behalf of this organization uh, through all of their agents something like five hundred agents that were supposed to be pushing this out right um, so after that whistleblower came out. Um, of course, State Farm found themselves in damage control mode because the whistleblower reported this to consumers research, um, including an email from corporate responsibility analyst Jose Soto um, that was sent out to the Florida agents. Well, after um, that was revealed, uh, there was a whole lot of backlash against State Farm and uh, the company then backtracked and uh, um, and decided to evidently. Um, remove themselves from any involvement with the Gender Cool Project. In addition to um, State Farm pulling out from involvement with the Gender Cool Project, uh, and what the Gender Cool Project was about, according to this whistleblower, and what State Farm was trying to do uh, with their partnership was to, quote, force conversations uh, with children and their parents about being transgender and non-binary, this being in response to refresh your memory to the uh, Parental Rights Act of Florida that DeSantis had put in, in law. Um, so after State Farm got busted for this and a lot of pressure, by Wednesday afternoon, nine of the remaining 22 enti- entities and corporations that were a part uh, that were on the Gender Cool Project's page uh, were gone. And that included Capital One, NBC Universal, General Mills, Adobe, Indeed, Bank of America, Sprout Social, Oracle, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They all disappeared within hours of from the site Gender Cool Project. Why would the U.S. Department of Ag- Agriculture? Tell me, what, what does farming and agriculture have to do with trying to force parents to have conversations about, about transgender and non-binary not following the science but nothing here's what's interesting though and why it's important that this is that we not just go oh wow success um i can't remember what we were talking about oh we were talking last night about the world health organization um they pulled uh, 12 of the 13 biden amendments and we're like don't go start acting as though this means it's a done deal they're just going to stay undercover with this a small win, um, and what they're going to hope is that we're going to we're going to forget about it, and then they're going to shove it through, right? Well, that could be what's going on here as well. We can't just go, yes, okay, State Farm and all these corporations are no longer involved with this gender cool project. 
um, because evidently most of those corporations are still indirectly tied to the Gender Cool Project with their partnership with an LBGTQ workplace nonprofit called Out and Equal Workplace, which accounts which counts more than 200 corporations as partners, including State Farm. So they've basically this is just a um, a a public withdrawal from this advocacy stuff of pushing um, transgenderism on America. So they might have backed off the Gender Cool Project, which targets children and pushing transgenderism on them. Um, but they're still tied with Gender Cool through out and equal workplace. Um, and, and, and we already have laws on the books, by the way, for equality in the workplace. We already have laws that says that you cannot hire somebody strictly because they're gay. Right. You can't hire somebody for you can't fire somebody for those reasons. So really what's going on in the workplace is it's about trying to force people to hire somebody who checks a box under the uh, under the idea of diversity, equity and inclusion who may not be qualified to do the job. But because they are part of the LBGTQ, you're forced to hire them. So they're not about equality in the workplace. They're about forcing their agenda into the business community and they don't care whether or not you risked every dime, how much you've borrowed to start your own business. They don't care about anything but pushing their agenda. So. Oh, now that we've gotten that slight amount of good news, I hate to bring the bad news, uh, but according to Snopes, uh, the Rittenhouse view story is just, it's been popping up over and over again. It's satire. Oh, it's satire. Oh, well, okay. Well, you did burst my bubble. Sorry. But you know what? And it just goes to show that if that was if that was legit, it would be all over the mainstream media. Oh, it would be. It would. But it gave me a moment of satisfaction to think. And by the way, you can't get no. Right. (laughs) You know what? It might be coming because and it's too soon for anything anyway. I I'm not sure. Did he sue the View or just or the View and Whoopi individually? Because I I know he personally sued Whoopi Whoopi individually. I thought it was Whoopi individually as well. So speaking of entertainment, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to be talking uh, about uh, Energy Secretary Granholm, who is a celebrity in Democrat circles. But we might have a celebrity in our circle, in our midst. We might have a friend of ours and a friend of the show who's starring in a movie Hang on, I gotta coming go fishing. up soon. Yeah. More Andrea K. Show coming up. Y'all don't go anywhere. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer is San Diego. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. On tonight's Andrea Kay Show, we might actually have an exclusive for you a all star out there. Has a, been born. a star is born. His star is born moment is coming to a theater near you, possibly. We're talking about a friend of, of the Andrea Kay Show. How many of y'all knew that Tom Del Beccaro, in addition to being famed... Politi- political candidate, the one who destroyed Kamala Harris in a debate, the the author of many political books, including The Divided Era, the man who's all over news media everywhere, national news and local news, former head of the Republican Party, famed attorney, is also now soon to be leading actor in a major motion picture. We're talking about Tom Del Beccaro, and he joins me now with the exclusive scoop. Hello, my dear. <laughs> yeah, this is Tom, long-time listener, first-time caller. First of all, I am not the leading actor. I have a relatively small role, but I am uh, in my first major motion picture. It's called Sweetwater. It's uh, about the uh, 
Sweetwater Clifton, who became the first African-American in the NBA. And I play the owner of uh, the Washington Capitals. I draft one of the first uh, African-American college players into the NBA. It was a fun time. Uh, And I'm in that movie. And there'll be more announcements in the future as well. Well, I could just not be any more tickled than I am right now. I mean, I, I mentioned. Oh, yes, you can. I, <laughs> I failed to mention in the oh, resume alleged. I yeah, <laughs> I failed to mention in his resume skins alleged uh, deep water fisherman. Yeah, we still don't believe it. Well, fa- failed to mention that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did work in Dutch Harbor. I was talking about that with someone, but I did work in Dutch Harbor. I got to find those pictures. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just filmed my role, I think it was, last week at okay. the Warner Brothers lot. Wow. The movie's, the movie's scheduled to come out uh, next spring, and I, I suspect it may be on your show between now and then. We'll talk uh, more about the exact when it comes out, but I had a fun time. Um, well, tell everybody, well, hold up now, hold up now. How did this happen? Who knew you were a SAG actor? I mean, by the way, for people who have don't have any, who don't have any, uh, any involvement in the, in the uh, movie making business, you don't just decide one day you're going to wake up and walk on, onto the Warner Brothers set and be in a movie with <laughs> Richard, with, is that how this happened? Because we're talking, some of your co-stars, Richard Dreyfus, man, this is Tom DeBacaro's opus. Well, well, Dreyfus was a deep sea fisherman in Jaws, so maybe they went out fishing together. There you go. There you go. No. <laughs> so Richard Dreyfus is there. Uh, Carrie Elwes oh. with uh, Princess Bride. Never- yes, yes. Do you not have a, a heart drop for him? Oh my gosh, uh, yes. And I don't even like blondes typically, but who doesn't? Who hasn't crushed on Carrie Elwes? Yeah, right. Yeah, such a nice man. Such a nice man. Um, uh, Kevin Pollock's in the movie as well. Oh, love and him, Jeremy. P- Jeremy Piven, who does a great job as the coach of the New York Knicks. Um, how did this happen? Uh, you know, that's a, a different disclosure. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and I can do that because because uh, the reality is, wow, what the hell? I I um, I have a couple of movie scripts that I wrote that are in pre-production. <gasps> there you go. There's really? Your oh, fantastic. That, yeah, there's got to be a way in. Yeah, and if you're in part, if you're in part of the screenwriting process, that's a way into the business for sure. Oh, Great. whoa, whoa. What happened? Hey, hey, hey. What yep. happened to, you know, I was telling. Okay, we can't say that. No one will believe that. What happened to... Uh, <laughs> anyway, keep okay. So here we go. Uh, well, let, we don't want to hear your experiences on the cal- casting couch, my friend. Okay, we don't need to hear <laughs> no, <laughs> that the cast. That wasn't it. <laughs> wow. How were you? It, it, seriously, though, um, you had to. Uh, unless you've been acting before, you had to be Taft Hartley. In um, were you? Did d- you didn't have to audition for the wow, role? Well, no, I mean, I, I got peeps in. You were given the role. So that being said, how nervous? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll okay. tell you a funny story. Okay. So I had my lines, and I did my part in one take. And okay. the reason, of course, is that, you know, I'm used to speaking in front of cameras. I've had cameras in front of my face for thousands yeah. of times, and yeah. people surrounding me and looking. Yeah. And so it went off perfectly fine. However... If you put a camera in my face and a bunch of people five feet away from me and I had to swing a golf club, 
that would be a different story. That I would mess up. Mm-hmm. But just talking, it worked out uh, pretty well. And people can go to my Facebook account and see my picture with Richard Dreyfus and, and Kerry. And the movie takes place in 1950. And uh, I got, I'll tell you a funny story that uh, Jeremy Piven looked at me and he says, why is your hair so long? <laughs> <laughs> I had not even talked to him. <laughs> he just looks at me and goes, this is a period piece, yeah. but not 1980. They, they did. This they were a period piece, but 1980. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just yeah. Me I couldn't tell whether he was serious or not, but he was just riding my horse right then and there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a pretty funny guy. Um, it, most and people does an amazing job in this role. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see it because I, I I'm not an NBA fan. Football well, is my I, sport, well, I but I love I love. To, I need a date to the uh, uh, premiere. So okay, anyone listening, so it's just oh, did you think? Yes, yes. You don't come on my show and throw out an invite to somebody else to go to the premiere. Uh, I just but said in general. Oh, I, that okay. Was All right. Serious tip though. In the minute though, we've got left. I, I, as somebody that doesn't follow the NBA, I don't, I'm not familiar with its history, right? So I'm loving the storyline here about the about you play the owner of the team who drafts. Is this baseball or it's NBA, right? NBA. So I okay. draft one of the first college players uh, in the league. Yes. Well, that's first African American players in the league. That's a great story, and you know what? We need we need that's a feel good story for me. I'm not. I, I haven't yeah, read exactly. the script. This is- but we need exactly. this. Exactly. Thank you. How epic, you Tom, that. was it to work alongside Richard Dreyfus? Um, well, since he talks directly to me in the movie, it seems a little incongruous. Um, so in my lifetime. But, you know, he, he was great with it. He, he's had a different age in his life. He's not a young guy anymore. Right. And you can just see that he just oozes wisdom and understanding well i'm super excited for Very you, proud of you thank you for calling in tonight and sharing about it you're going to of course have to come back and keep we'll us posted about it. yeah and keep us posted too and down the road on how we can see it and just super fun and i just I, thank you for calling in because i wanted to end the show on on a good positive first, fun note you're the first radio show i've done on this okay on then this got the exclusive we, we got the scoop we got the scoop from Mr. Tom DeBacaro and, and his his excellent opus. Wasn't that uh, the title? That's of what we dr- said, yeah. Yes. All yeah. right. Tom Dell, thank, thank you go. for being here. All right, my dear. Right, Take good care. Love you. All right. Stay tuned. No, not stay tuned. We're done for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow for the Friday night show going into Memorial Day with a tribute to Pat Tillman. So you're going to want to tune in for that tomorrow night. Love you all. Peace out. <laughs>